John chapter 11 and verse number 1. You can find your Bible there. Go ahead and remain standing. John chapter 11 and verse number 1. Uh, Matthias, Dr. Matthias, I'm going to switch over, all right? Good? All right. And uh, good job, all right? John chapter number 11 and verse number 1. Please be in prayer for Pastor and, and for Miss Bell, especially her and her recovery, and that God will just give her comfort, give her rest, and a, a fast and speedy recovery. And thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity to preach uh, this morning in this pulpit. And definitely an honor, honor to do that. And uh, so good to have everyone here this morning. What a beautiful day outside. Sort of a little chilly, warming up throughout the day. Praise the Lord. And I went from 80 degrees back here, and so uh, it's a little bit of a difference, uh, but it's all good, all right? And uh, John chapter 11, John chapter 11, and we're going to read verse number 1, and I want to be a help to you this morning, want to try to encourage you this morning. If you have not noticed in our society, uh, things are not getting better. God has not changed. That's a, that's a definite statement. God has not changed. But our sinful nature is just evil continually. I think I was thinking of Noah in the Bible and how God said that it was evil continually. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Praise the Lord for grace. And uh, if you look around our society, things are not getting uh, better. They're getting worse. And in these times, listen to me, as children of God, when we live amongst this wicked society and amongst the evil things that are going on around us, the pressures on the children of God are just going to get greater. I want you to understand that. By the way, pressure in your life is not a bad thing. That is a very good thing. Pressure in your life, like the children of Israel in the wilderness, kept them on their knees to God. It kept them in front of God, needing God and knowing that they needed God and begging God for help each other. I need you to stand up each and every time. So in this society that we live in, things are going to get worse before they get better. We know the end times. We know exactly what's coming. Things are going, to get, are going to get worse before they get better. And in that, child of God, you have got to be ready for whatever life and whatever God allows to take place in your life. You have got to be ready to face it and go through it. And go through it. Too many saved people, I'm going to use the word saved people or use the word Christians, two different things. But too many saved people, too many Christians, we face things in life, and when we're faced with it, it's like a wall in front of us, and we feel like, I just can't, I can't get through that. I can't get over it. I can't do anything about it. And we give up. And that wall that was placed in front of you, understands that wall that was placed in front of you, like Jericho to the children of Israel, is not there to stop you, but it's there, listen to this, to give you strength and help you grow to another level. It's exactly why that wall's there. It's not there to put a halt to your Christian life and say, all right, you might as well just give up, but it's there to help you grow, and it's there to strengthen you. Uh, no one in here, uh, but, but people that lift weights. <laughs> no one in here, but people that work out. They don't, they, listen, you don't lift one pound all your life, and then one day just randomly you say, I can lift 400. It's not going to happen. You slowly start increasing. Listen to what I'm saying. You slowly start increasing the weight. Some of us are doing that in a different way, but we slowly start <laughs> increasing the weight. <laughs> oh, help us. In increasing that weight and that, if you will, that pressure that you're under, in increasing that, you're increasing your faith. Listen to me. In increasing that, you're increasing your strength to face the next battle. It's exactly what the Christian life does. It's exactly what God, by the way, how, how wonderful of God to do that. Think about the things you've faced here in your life personally at this age and whatever stage of life you're in that you face now. Imagine if you faced that decades ago when you were a child or years ago when you were a child. Would you have been able to handle it? Probably not. Even as a young adult, some things you face maybe, maybe uh, in your 40s or even in your 50s or even in your upper 30s, if you would have faced as soon as you got out of high school, it would have, it would have hurt you. So God in his grace says, I want to strengthen you. I know what you're going to face. I'm going to strengthen you to face that. John chapter number 1 and verse number 11, we see here a story about Lazarus. 
Now, we understand this story, and we're not going to read through all. We will read multiple verses, but we're going to read two verses right now to pray and be seated. But we see the story of Lazarus, and we know that Lazarus and, and Mary and Martha are friends of Christ. Uh, they were close to Christ. Uh, even here in the Scripture, this Mary says to Christ, uh, whom thou love, Lazarus, whom thou loveth, the one that you care about. And we see here this story how Lazarus got sick, and Lazarus is sick unto death. He's about to die, and Mary and Martha, of course, in a panic, they know, understand this, they know who they need is Christ. They had that faith to know, I know exactly where we got to go. we got to go to Christ. And in that, in that, Christ decides when he finds out and gets the news, it wasn't a text, it wasn't an email, uh, it took a little while, uh, but when he, was, when he got the news about Lazarus' sickness, he still decided to stay two more days, and Lazarus dies. And it brings us into our, 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 the story this morning and that lesson that we're going to learn out of this scripture. John chapter 11, verse number 1 says this, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Now look down at verse number 32. Verse number 32, chapter 11, verse number 32. Then when Mary was, was come where Jesus was, so they sent message to Jesus, and Jesus said, we're going to stay here for two more days, and now he's coming back, and at this point Lazarus is already dead. And when Mary come, uh, then when Mary was come where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Mary got to a point in her life, she hit a wall. She had faced something that no one had ever faced at that time. She, she, she hit something that she didn't understand. And in that understanding, she didn't know, realize what God was trying to do. She didn't realize the glory of God that was going to come out of this and the blessing of God that was going to come out of this. But in her panic in the situation, she questioned her faith. Her unbelief was shaken. Her faith was shaken. Lord, if thou had been here, you wouldn't have died. I'm going to talk to you this morning about this when you go through the testings of God. When you go personally in your life through the testings of God, I want to help you this morning. Heavenly Father, dear God, I pray that you bless. God, I pray that you be with our pastor and Miss Bell is there, not here this morning. God, I pray that you heal her. Give her comfort, dear God. Please give her rest. Give her pastor wisdom in the situation that they're facing this morning. And God, I pray that you help this morning your words be an encouragement to every Christian that's here this morning. God, we thank you for your house that you've given us to come to. God, we thank you for your word that you've given us to have to be a reassurance to us in our relationship with you. God, someone once said the Bible is God's love letter to us. It's a personal letter to me. It's a personal letter to everyone in here. And God, I thank you for that. I thank you for your grace, dear God, this morning and your love for us, dear God, and, and your favor you showed us when giving your son to die on the cross for us. God, the blood that still flows even today to save souls that are, that are lost and on their way to a dying hell. God, I pray that you bless this morning. I pray that you'd help me to step out of the way and use your word, dear God, only as you can. God, I pray that you'd bless the service. There's someone here this morning that's not saved. God, I pray they get saved. The most important thing in the house of God, someone comes they're not saved, that they leave knowing they're a child of God, knowing they're on the way to heaven. And God, if there's someone here like this morning, I pray they get saved. God, we give you all the glory, that's gonna, everything that's going to happen this morning. Father, we praise you for all that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I often in years past and even in present days ask, this, ask some of these questions. The question is why does God test us? Why does God allow certain things in our life? Why does God see fit like a joke? To allow Satan to all but destroy his physical life. To take his children. Why? Why, why God? Why do we allow this? I often ask, uh, what are testings from God for? What is it for? 
God, what are you preparing me for? Maybe you've asked some of these questions in your life. I have a slight ring. Maybe you've asked some of these questions in your own personal life. What, what are the testings of, from God? How often does this happen? We all want to know that answer. How often? Is there a timeline? Is it like every three months, every six months? Can you give us something to look forward to? Not that we're looking forward to it, but look forward to, at least we can plan our life around it. How often? How often does this happen? You've heard pastors say, and I agree with it. It seems like testings of God are things in life. I, I definitely have a ring, brother. Like rings, uh, rings in life. I <laughs> like testings. <laughs> yeah, that ring there too. Uh, like testings in life, seems like sometimes they come uh, in, in threes or even sometimes fours. It's, it's usually not one thing. It's multiple things, right? You get a flat tire, you bring it to the tire shop, and they fix the tire for you, or you have to buy another tire, and then in that they say, by the way, you're out of alignment, you need to pay this, and, and this part's falling apart, and, and, you know, the rim is cracked or something. And, then, and it's like one, two, three. It just always happens that way. You get a phone call here, you get a phone call there, you get a phone call there. It just seems like that's just what happens. We've asked, I've asked a question sometimes, how often? Do testings of God happen in my life? I've often asked this question, is it, and this is a foolish one, you ready? Is this the last one? <laughs> is this the last one? Maybe at a younger age, those of you that are just out of high school, or maybe those of you that are still in high school, about to finish, or young adults and, and young married couples, you, you've been faced with something, and in your mind you're going, okay, got through that, okay, we're done. It must be the last one. <laughs> that one was pretty rough. That must be it. <laughs> At ease in Zion for a little bit, God, please. We, we ask these questions. Sometimes we ask ourselves the questions, God, I, I don't know if I can take it anymore. I, I, God, I don't know if I can handle it. I think of different members in our church, faithful members in our church, that have dealt with sickness and health problems. Maybe you've asked yourself sometimes, God, I, I just don't know if I can take this anymore. God, I don't know if I can deal with the pain anymore. God, I don't know if I can deal with another hospital visit. Seems like the, I, I, my, my, my grandmother got to see her this last week, and, and every week she has multiple hospital visits. Back to the hospital, back to the doctor getting this done, back to the doctor getting that done. God, when is this going to end? <laughs> I don't know if I can take it anymore. Might as well give me a room, <laughs> and I'll stay at the hospital so I can just have it done and be re relaxed. Or maybe it's a situation in your life, and say, God, when is this going to end? I don't know if I can take it. I've often asked this question in my personal life. Maybe you've asked the same question. God, why me? But why have you chosen me for this? I imagine Job and some, not, not second, this is not second-guessing God. This is just trying to understand God. I no doubt Job in watching what happened to his life in one day. God, why me? I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything against you. God, I wasn't cursing your name. God, I was honoring you. God, why me? So many times we've asked these questions that we've asked ourselves. And thought even to ourselves sometimes, God, what have I done wrong? to allow this in my life. But let me say this this morning. The wrong question to ask is, God, why? But the right question to ask is simply this. You ready? What do I do? How do I handle what I'm going through? The wrong question is, God, why are you allowing this? God, why, why does this happen? And we all have, by the way, we all have those questions. We all face those things. But the right question that we ought to be asking God, instead of God, why, is God, I have faith. How do I get through this? What, what do I do? What's my next step? Instead of God, uh, I, I don't understand, and God, I, I accuse you of a lot for allowing this to happen. We should have the question of God, okay, now that I'm in the midst of the sea. Now that the storm is raging, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you want. God, I ask you to show me the way. Uh, give me, show me the light if you will at the end of the tunnel. 
Just tell me which direction, which path to take. God, I'll take it. I just want to follow you. The testings of God, listen to me, Christian, the testings of God will come into our lives consistently throughout our life. And if anything, the testings of God, like I said before, are not meant to destroy us, but are meant to build us. The disciples would not have the faith they had in the upper room as they prayed. And asking wisdom from God, they hadn't gone through the storms in the sea. And saw God say, peace be still, or Christ say, peace be still. It was there that God built their faith. It was a time, they said, Christ, we have, we have no taxes to pay. I got no money and our taxes are due. Are we there? Our taxes are due. Where are we going to get the money? God said, Christ said, uh, just go fishing. <laughs> I wish God would say that. Uh, Christ said, go fishing. And they went fishing and caught a fish and opened his mouth, and the money they needed was there. It was that testing time that gave them the faith, the faith to face Galgotha. So understand, throughout the Bible, everything that we go through in our life is a testing from God, but is made to build us, not destroy us. Pastor says often, the battles are not made uh, uh, there to make you bitter, they're there to make you better. And when we, when we allow the testings of life to make us bitter towards God, by the way, testings in life and trials in life can be on one level or another, all depending on the person. I want you to understand that. One person over here might be dealing with health problems. The other person over here might just be dealing with strife in the home. Both are testing times in your life. Listen to me, Christian. Both are testing times in your life. Strife at home, financial issues, uh, problems at work, uh, 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 things going on in your health, or things going on in family, and, and things going, whatever they may be, they're all at different levels depending on the person, but all of them are important, listen to me, and all of them are times, trying times in your life. And listen to me, ready? And God has the answer for every one of them. God has the answer for every one of them. God's not going to put something in your life and say, I don't know what to do. We don't have a Savior like that. I'm glad we don't. I'm glad we have a Savior that when something is allowed in our life or when we're going through something, we know that we have his word, his, if you will, love letter in our life that we can go to to get strength for each and every day. We know we have a heavenly Father that we get on our knees and pray to and ask for strength every day. No matter what you're going through, God has the strength that you need to face that testing time in your life. Yeah, Brother Pledger, it seems so little and so minute. I think I can figure it out on my own. No, no, no. Trust God. With the little things, trust God. Don't get in a habit of doing it on your own. Get in a habit of going to God and asking God for what you need. Human nature has become, if you will, I hate to use this word, it sounds even critical, smart. And we've gotten to the point, the more knowledge we get, the more we think, oh, what's God? We don't need God. Why do I need that? By the way, that's why the churches are empty. That's why there's empty seats here. So we get to the point in our lives that everything's just so good. I don't need God. Why do I need church? I know God, and I'll just you know, take that as, as me knowing God, and, and now he'll help me. No, God, listen to me. Listen, listen to me. The, the, the harder life gets closer people get to God. I think of 9-11. Turn to verse 3. I think of 9-11. I think of days and weeks and months after 9-11, how many people that hadn't stepped foot in a church in years, decades, flooded to churches. I mean, just knocking on the doors, I've got to be in church. I've got, we need God. You know what it was? A testing time in our nation brought people closer to God. But look at 23 years later. Where's everybody at? Why? Our knowledge has puffed us up. We don't need God anymore. Uh, we, we, we don't need it. Uh, when we go through something, we'll just figure it out on our own. We got an answer for that. 
We, we know exactly what to do. If we just were tested with something, I'll just figure it out on my own. I don't need to ask God. I don't need to ask for his wisdom. I don't need to go to him in prayer. We'll figure it out. I ask so-and-so, somebody else that knows nothing about God. I'll ask them. And we, and we decide to do things on our own instead of trusting God in the testing times. And I dare say, listen to me, Christian, when we don't trust God and we don't go to him for answers, how are we getting strength? How are we growing? When we decided we're not growing when we do it in our own strength instead of God's strength, we're not growing. We tend to focus so much on the why, God how, God what, when, of the problem that we will easily forget that our God knows all and has allowed, listen to me, and has allowed this in your life. It's very easy to ask all these questions and then forget that your God in heaven knows the problem, knows exactly what you're facing, knows exactly the answer you need, and he wants to give it to you. We forget these things. Listen to this statement. God does not allow things in your life that does not come past or cross his desk first. I want you to think about that. Think about Job. Hast thou considered my servant Job? Okay, you can take his monetary things, and you can, you can take his family, but don't touch him. God said, okay, you can, he can be sick, but you can't kill him. Everything that Job went through came across God's desk. So to think, oh, God doesn't understand what I'm going through. No, God knows exactly what you're going through. And God all but stamped approval on the situation you're facing that I will allow this to happen to my child. I will allow my child to deal with this for a little bit because I'm going to help them. I have a plan for them. God approves. So what can we learn from this example here with Lazarus? What can we learn from this example that God's given us? I want you to look at verse number three through verse number seven. There was a messenger that came to Christ about Lazarus. Verse number three to verse number seven. Therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Talking about Lazarus. He whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Now, that should have answered all the questions right there. He's sick, God. He's about, he's about to die. And Christ said himself, no, no, wait, this sickness is not unto death. Look what it says. For, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had uh, heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith to his disciples, let us go into Judea. So understand the messenger here and what Christ told him. Mary and Martha, Lazarus is, is Lazarus six, and they send a messenger to go to Christ, tell, hey, your friend that you love is sick. You need to come quick. He's sick unto death. Now understand Christ's response. He's not, he says he's not sick unto death, but for the glory of God. For the glory of God. We know the verse. We know all things work together for good. So then, uh, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God uh, that are called according to his purpose. Sorry, my mind went blank. That verse there is not saying that everything in life turns out good because I'm a Christian. Pastor's preached a whole sermon on it. The verse is not saying because I'm a saved person. You know, a lot of people, they get saved. I was talking to the teenagers this morning uh, there in Sunday school. And, and a lot of people get saved and they think just because I go to church, all my problems are going to be fixed. Well, I got saved, so all my problems are fixed. I carry a Bible, and it's at my house. All my problems are fixed. Like the children of Israel and Samuel and Eli's day, that Hophni and Phinehas took the ark of God to battle, thinking because we have the ark of God, we're going to win. Didn't happen. No. It's not just the Bible that I own. It's my relationship with God. Listen to me. It's not a trophy that because I go to church, all my problems are fixed. Because I have God's word, all, because I pray every day, all my problems are fixed. That's not the case. Listen to me. All things do work together for good, but for his good, for his glory. Like it says here in John, he said he's not sick unto death, but to the glory of God. 
but for his glory. God said, I'm going to use this tri trial and tribulation, Mary and Martha, that you're going to. I'm going to use your brother. I'm going to use Lazarus, the one that I love, to bring glory and honor to him and to further spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So understand the situation. We're not going to read all these verses, but Christ gets to Mary and sees and hears her unbelief. We read it in verse number 32. And when Mary was come, where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Verse number 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, the mourners, they already had the mourners there. People that had to come and mourn for the person that was dead. It was part of their tradition, part of their culture. And, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes, they started questioning Christ, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind and have caused uh, that even this man should not have died? Couldn't he have healed them if he would have come? That's what he was trying to get past. The healings of someone that was already alive. He had already healed the blind. He had already healed the leper. He had already made the lame to walk. There's one more thing he hasn't done yet. He said if he could have healed him, couldn't he have healed Lazarus when he was sick? Who it says... Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and the stone lay upon it, and said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him uh, that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. It had been a few days. He said, Cry, are you sure you want to roll that stone away? Because he's going to stink. He had been in there. His body had already started decaying a little bit. By this time, so it wasn't a, he had just died, and he was revived, if you will, like at a hospital here in our, in our own country, where physically or medically he lost life and they shocked him back. No, no, God's, God, it was a couple days. <laughs> His body was already starting to decay and starting to stink. See, Christ was setting up, listen to me, Christ was setting up the truth and the strength that they needed in trusting him and understanding who he really was. And to do that, he had to let them go a little bit longer. He had to let him die and be put in the grave. If Christ would have came back and healed Lazarus when he was still sick, yes, it would have been a great miracle. And yes, it would have been talked about around the town just like every other miracle. But raising someone from the dead had not happened. And raising someone from the dead was finally proving that he was all power no matter what. Christ had to prove that in the hard times, I still come through. Listen to me, Christian, he had to prove that in the testing times, Mary and Martha, when all hope is lost, when you don't see another way, it's totally out of your hands, that your Savior, Jesus Christ, can still take care of you and can still come through in your life. Then we see in verse number 45 through verse number 48, the critics the critics. Verse number 45, then many of the Jews which came, so Lazarus is, is, is made alive, uh, Christ, Christ calls him out, he comes out, he's alive, Christ raises him from the dead, and look what it says, and many of the Jews, verse number 45, uh, which came to Mary and had seen the things uh, which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees uh, a council and said, what do we? <laughs> For this man doeth many miracles. Hey, we don't believe this guy is the Messiah. Now he's doing miracles. What do we need to do about this? We don't believe it. We believe he's a fake, he's a fraud. This is what the Pharisees are doing. By the way, this is the same people that later on here in John and in the Gospels that, 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 that bring and accuse, accuse our Savior. To put him on the cross. 
by the way, by the way, I want you, I want you to understand something, church. Listen, listen to me. It wasn't the lost and wicked and publics and sinners that put our Savior on the cross. Listen to what I just said. Now, I'm glad he went to the cross. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad he went to the cross. It was my sins that, that put him on the cross. It was your sins that put him on the cross. But in that time, it was the, the religious crowd that said, we don't believe him. We don't have faith. This is not the Messiah. He needs to die. We need to crucify him. And they're the ones that brought And isn't it so much that a lot of times, listen to me, the ones out there in the world denying Christ and blaspheming Christ were ones that used to sit in the church. And the ones that deny the Savior and curse our Heavenly Father are the same ones that used to say they believe the King James Bible, they believe the Word of God, they know that our Savior is real, the same ones used to, the religious crowd. Sometimes the one that attacks Christ more than anything. And listen to me, and blames God for everything. Well, if we really had a real God, he would have allowed this to happen. And if God was real, God really loved us, he would allow this to take place in my life. Listen, listen to me, Christian. Our loving Heavenly Father that loves us and cares about us allows these things to go on in life because he loves us. He chastens us because he loves us. He allows us these things to strengthen us for the next battle because he loves us. The testings of God are not a curse in your life. The testings of God is God trying to help you. These critics here did not realize that. Uh, they thought, oh, this is just foolishness. Oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. We, we got to stop him. There are critics. By the way, in the testings of life, you're always going to find those people. Listen to me, Christian. Those times in your life when you're being tested, you're always going to find the critics. See, I told you all Christians are the same. See, I told you church people are hypocrites. I'll be the first one to say, you're probably right. You know why? Because we're all just a bunch of sinners, just like you. And we're just trying to obey God, and our flesh rails on us every single day, and our, the world, the flesh of the devil, it attacks us every single day, and sometimes we fall, and sometimes we stand strong, and, but we're not perfect. Sometimes we are hypocrites. I'd rather be a hypocrite trying to do what's right than a hypocrite trying to live like the world. And in the testings of your life, listen to me, in the struggles of your life, you're going to have those that criticize. And you're going to have those that second-guess your God. Listen to me. Second-guess your God. New Christians, listen to me. You've been coming to church just here recently, and you're growing. We're happy for you. excited for you. Listen to me. Those that you even love in your own family are going to criticize you for you taking a stand. They're going to criticize you. They're going to ask, why do you go to that church anyways? Oh, you think you're a Christian now. You're one of those church people. You think you're so better than me now because you go to church. No, we don't think you're better. I'm better. I don't think I'm better than you. I'm just trying to obey God. And sometimes even your testimony in the testing times of life draw critics like flies. like flies to food on the ground. Just draws it. Draws it. The testings of life. Mary and Martha had to learn a lesson. Things we must realize about the testings in life from God, number one, realize that God hears his children. Listen to me, Christian. Realize that God hears his children. Verse number four says this. Verse number four says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. God already knew exactly what was going to happen. He already knew. And he heard his child. He heard what they said. Listen to me, listen to me, child of God. Realize that God hears you when you're going through the testing times of life. Say, but I don't think he hears me. No, no, listen to me. Just trust. He hears you. He knows you're there. When Job lost all of his sheep and all of his uh, camels and all of his asses and his family, the Savior didn't come running to Joseph and just coddle him in his arms and say, oh, it's okay, it's okay, I'm here. But God was there. Listen to me, God was there. See, we think, we think, listen to me, we think that our Heavenly Father 
It's not acting like a father ought to act because he doesn't come to our aid as soon as we need it. Uh, my, my boys, they uh, get to playing outside, and of course, you know, one of them hits the other or something, you know, like that. And they come whining. I don't run to their aid. Were you guys playing? Yes. Then dry it up. Go back outside and play. You're fine. So, Brother Pledger, that's harsh. They're just little kids. They need to learn. They need to learn. They got to grow. They got to be tough. I'm not going to have little boys running around. I'm not going to have little boys running around at my house. No. They're going to grow. They're going to learn to be tough. I was teaching the other night. I was saying, all right, I'm put your hands up. I want to teach you how to. I want to teach you how to fight. So he starts throwing some jabs. I come around with that punch. I hit my hands. I'm just teaching them. And I said, I right, put your hands up. <laughs> Daddy, that hurts. I said, punches hurt, don't they? You got to learn. Listen to me. And God, let's realize God hears you. He knows exactly what you face each and every day. And just because he knows you're going through a tough time does not mean that the father runs and picks you up in his arms and rocks you back. Rock a bye, baby. He doesn't do that. Sometimes God, <laughs> sing it, sister. Sometimes God has got to let you go through things, listen to me, to strengthen you. Sometimes you got to learn to stand up and dust your knees off and kind of, you know, rub it in a little bit. That, that hurt. That doesn't mean God left you. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care. God's always watching. God knows exactly what you, listen to me, and God knows how much you can handle. God knows exactly how much you can handle. And he knows where your breaking point, listen to me, you do not know where your breaking point is. God knows. I faced different things in my life and thought this is my breaking point. And somehow, somehow the grace of God and the strength of God has helped me get through those things. I had no idea I had that much strength in me. I had no idea that God's strength flowing through me was going to help me to that point. I, I never dreamed that I could make it that far. And somehow, somehow, God helped me get through. God knows your breaking points. And his job, listen to me, and his job, like that person trying to, trying to bench press weights, you have a spotter above you, they're not there to take it from you right away. They just Sometimes they just barely touch that bar. Just to give you that little bit. They, they know you got to struggle. I'm not just going to completely take it from you. you got to struggle. But I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of help. Just enough to where you can make it. God does the same thing with you. The same thing with me. He allows things in our life and knows exactly where your breaking point is. And he is going to push you to the limit. Push you to the limit. I mean push you to the max. Realize that God hears his child. Number two, realize that God will show up when he chooses. Listen to me, Christian. God will show up when he chooses. We see here the story here. Brent, pay attention. We see the story here. How they told the news came, the messenger came to Christ. He says to his glory, and he's not, he's not going to die. It's, it's to my glory. But he said he abode two more days. And we know that because we go over there to Mary where she told him, if you would have only come, if you had only came right away, Christ, Savior, Jesus, if you had only come, he would be alive. By the way, Jesus is always coming. Listen, listen to me. Jesus will come to your aid when he chooses. When he sees it fit. Sometimes he's got to let you struggle a little bit. Sometimes he's got to let you get to the point to where you know that you need your Savior. That you know you need God. There is no other way. Like a preacher said here recently, uh, I, I don't know if it's at, I keep on to say pastor school, servants conference or not. I think it was, I think it was Brother uh, Tom Williams. He said this statement, he said, what's on your prayer list? Is there anything on there that you know you can't do, that has to be done? 
See, everything on our prayer list, we could handle ourselves, right? I mean, are we really trusting God? What is something in your life that you know, I cannot do this. <laughs> God, there's no way. Even if I had all the spiritual strength in the world, I, can't, I don't have an answer to that. This is one of those times. <laughs> there's no medicine to heal me. He's going to die. Christ said, okay, I'm going to make it to where they have to have me because I'm going to bring glory to God through Lazarus' life. Realize that he will show up, but when he chooses, number three, Christian, realize God wants to see your trust in him. God wants to see your trust in him. God wants to know that you rely on him. The heavenly father, in my mind, when I think of the heaven, our heavenly father up in heaven and, and, and his uh, children going through trials in life, I kind of picture him. He has all the answers. Sometimes I try, I try to picture him in heaven just waiting. Please come to me, I'm ready. Those get on their knees, I have it. I know exactly what they need. If they'll just ask, I'm ready. I want to help. I have the answers. I know exactly what they need. I'm just waiting for them to come and get on their knees and beg me and come to the point where they have to have me. And I'm ready to give it to them. I, want, I desire to. I can see him on the edge of his seat just waiting, waiting to bless one of his children and waiting to answer the problem that you know you don't have the answer to and, and waiting to come to your rescue like a father to a hurting child, waiting to come to the rescue when he knows there is no other way. Your Savior's like that. Your Savior wants to. He wants to know how much you trust him. He wants to know how much you rely on him. He wants to know that you realize, I can't do it on my own. God, I've got to have you. God, I've got to have your answer. I, I don't have the answer. I don't have the strength. God, it's all depending on you. Like the children of Israel in the wilderness. God, we need water. We're thirsty. They didn't have an answer. I got water from a rock. God, we're hungry. I got fresh manna from heaven every day. They had to have God. There was no other answer. God, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. You need to realize that God wants to see how much you'll trust him. In your brokenness, how much will you trust him? In your sleepless nights, how much will you trust him? When you don't have the answer, you have no idea how you're going to make this work. And tomorrow could be a whole different day. Tomorrow something bad's going to happen, God, if you just don't help me. He said, how much do you trust me? How much do you trust me? Realize. God wants to see your trust in him. Number four, realize that God wants to use you, listen, as an example for others. No doubt every person in this room, Christians, have looked at someone else that you know and said, if they can make it, I can. Paul, if they can do it, I can. I don't know how to do it, but if they can do it, I can. God loves them just as much as he loves me, and if they can, they can get through and God can help them, I can, God can help me. Sometimes the testings of God go through your life, listen to me, not for your sake, but for others' sake. Think of my Savior on the cross. It wasn't for his sake, it was for others' sake. The crown of thorns wasn't for his sake, but for others' sake. The cat of nine tails wasn't for his sake, it was for others' The piercing in the side, the blood, the flesh being ripped open, the crown of thorns on his head, the spikes in his hand, in his feet, the mocking, and the beating. Listen to me, it wasn't for him. It was for others. Sometimes God allows things, listen to me, to go into your life. It's not for you. It's for others. That's probably one of the hardest things to accept as a Christian is knowing that what's happening to me it's to strengthen me, but ultimately, it's for others. And I've got to endure this so others can have the opportunity to endure something. And I've got to somehow make it. Somehow make it. I don't know how, but somehow make it so others have a chance to make it. How many times I've sat down with, a, with our pastor 
or, or with, with other men, men in my life, whether it's my youth pastor as a teenager, and their story and what they've gone through in their life was able to help me get through something I was going through, was able to touch me and encourage me to help me get through something I was going through. We need to realize that the testings of God in life, like in verse number 45 here in our scripture, the Bible says that many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen these things, which Jesus believed on him. It was for others. It was to edify Christ, edify God, who he was and what he could do, that there was only one living God. And sometimes in your life, realize, Christian, the testings of God are to help you get through so you can be a beacon on a hill for another Christian that needs some encouragement, that's going through things similar that you've gone through so you can help encourage them, let them know that God's, God's got you. Realize God wants to use you as an example to others. Number five, realize, hell boy. Many in here can testify to this. Realize that right after the victory, here comes Satan. We've seen it happen over and over again, even in our own church and in our own personal lives. Right after the victory, here comes Satan. The attacks are about to get strong. The attacks are about to get big in our life. Sometimes I... In my personal life, I go through things and come out in victory and, and excitement. And in my mind, it's like, okay, here comes Satan with all of his force he can. He does not like what God's doing in my life. He does not like what God's doing in my heart. He does not like that I feel encouraged. He does not like that I have peace. He does not like that I trust in God more. He does not like that my faith is in Bill. So as soon as I have victory, expect that here comes Satan. He'll come into your life too. Those that have been in church a long time that, that, that have had a part out sowing, reaching people, inviting people to church, you've seen it just like I have. A new Christian gets saved, comes to church, and that very week after they come to church, the battles start cranking up in their life. The struggles and the discouragement starts cranking up in their life because they started doing something right. There comes Satan. The attacks of Satan are coming. New Christian, new saved person that's coming to church, listen to me. No matter what the attacks are in your life, you keep coming, you keep being faithful. Understand this, listen to me. Every time you take one step forward for God, Satan's going to be attacking you and opposing you. Trying to keep you from taking another step. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to take another step. He doesn't want you to draw closer to God. He wants you to stay back where you were. He want, he'd rather you be the type of person in this world that he didn't even have to worry about because you're doing so, such filthy wickedness. Understand Christians are probably the people in this world that are, live in more reality than anybody else. We don't have an escape called drugs. We don't believe in it. It's wicked. We don't escape, as a Christian, Christ's life. Someone that loves God and follows God obeys his word. We don't escape and go drink just to kind of take the edge off because I can't handle what I'm going through in life right now. We live in reality. We face it, and it all we feel everything. <laughs> we feel the pain through everything. Listen to me. You need to realize that as soon as you start doing something right for God, Soon as you surround, I tell the teenagers, we go off to camps and, and, and different things. And I tell them, whatever decision you made this week, listen to me, whatever decision you've made this week, Satan's going to start attacking you as soon as you get home. And even on this bus on the way home, Satan's going to start attacking you. He does not like the decision and the, the stand that you took for God this week. Listen to me, Christian. And Satan does not like the stand that you're taking for God. And when the testing of time comes and you get on your knees before God and you Beg God for faith and you beg God for strength and God gives you the strength and we don't understand why or how, but somehow you made it through it. Right after the victory, Satan comes back attacking. So what do I do in the testing times of life? What do I do, Christian, in the testing times of life? Number one, last three points and I'm done. Number one, be patient. Be patient. 
Romans chapter 12 and verse number 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 12. I want you to look at this verse. What do I do in the testing times of life? Be patient. Many wrong decisions have been made by quick decisions. Quick decisions. All this is going on, I just we just got to move and get out of here. And then you, you're out of church. This is going on, I just got to make this decision quick. Best thing you can do is just wait and be patient. I want you to read this verse. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. Young lady, have a seat. Patient in tribulation. Rejoicing in patient in tribulation. Continuing in sin and prayer. That should be our life as a Christian. Going through the tough time, but you're rejoicing in the hope. You know, we have hope no one else can have, has. We're not the hope sitting over here either. We have hope. God's given us peace. The Holy Spirit's on the inside helping. But we, we have a partner, if you will, that's helping us through this whole thing that no one else knows or understands. And in that, patient and tribulation. I'm going to read a few other verses. Do not turn there, but James chapter 1 and verse number 3 and verse number 4, the Bible says this, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Oh, yes. The trying of your faith worketh patience. It strengthens that. It puts it to work. It tries you in that area. We are a very impatient society. Right? Fast food. I sent the email. Why haven't they answered yet? I sent the text message and they read it and they have not answered it yet. What are they doing? I called three times and they didn't answer the phone. And they hung up one time and I know it because I know they hung up. It went straight to voicemail and I know it. We're a very impatient society. But in God, everything ought to be patience. Because it's in his timing, not ours. It's in his timing, not ours. It's a time we have to hold back and pull the reins back and go, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's breathe. Let God do what he needs to do. Look at last part. But let patient have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Patience. Be patient. Psalms, last verse, Psalms chapter. Then you don't need to turn to Psalms chapter 46 and verse number, verse number 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be Exalted among the heathen, I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. In the testing times of life, it's not a time to make decisions. It's a time to just fall on your knees and say, God, I trust you. Don't know the answer, but I trust you. Don't don't see the way, but I trust you. God, help me to be patient. Help me calm my heart, God. Call my mind, but help me to be patient to know your will. Not my will, God, your will. Patience. What do I do in the test times of life? Number one, be patient, trust, trust his timing. Number, number two, trust his way. Trust his way. We know the verse there in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5. Trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Again, this world, the knowledge in this world is just ramping. Our mental, our, our knowledge of, of things, our brain smarts, if you will. God says, lean not into thine own understanding. There ought to be times in life where you step back and you go, okay, God, this is, this is, not, this is not two plus two. I know the answer to that one. This is not. This is not simple. This is not fact. God, this I got to trust you. God, you've got to have the answer. God, your way is going to be the only right way. I don't see another way. It's your way or nothing. You've got to be willing to listen. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine understanding. When we get to a point in life, listen to me. In the testing times, when you're at a point in life where you think you know the answer. 
understand it? Well, I just think this is the way it ought to be. Does it line up with God's word? Christian, did you get godly counsel? Okay, let's, let's step back. Ready? Did you stop and pray? Did you ask God to show you? Or do we, well, this is what I would do. So we make the decision. Instead of God, what do you want? God, what do you want in my life? God, what decision should I make? And even when the decision is a tough decision, listen to me, Christian, even though the decision is a tough decision, the decision you wish God would not choose, but you know that's what he wants, you know you have to follow him. And again, he's testing. Here's your faith. He's testing, will you trust me? He's testing, will you trust my way? Number three, glorify God in everything. What do I do in the testing times of life? Glorify God. Allow God to use you to bring others closer to God. John chapter 12 and verse number 30. John chapter 12, verse number 32. Well-known verse, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. At the end of my life, I pray and desire to be able to say, God, everything that you allowed in my life, in some way, it brought honor to you. And I might not be able to do great things for God. You might not be able to do great things for God. You might not be the nationwide preacher that everybody knows or, or the Sunday school teacher that everybody hears the story about. But to end your life knowing that everything, God, that you allowed in my life, I did anything I could just to bring glory and honor to you, to bring praise to your name, in every situation, in every testing time, God, if I did anything, God, I lifted your name up. God, if I did anything, at the end of it, people saw and they knew that it wasn't Ryan Pledger getting through something, but it was God through Ryan Pledger that helped him get through something. And it's the same thing in your life. I, I, I want to lift the name of Christ in my life, through my life. I don't want to be in my mind, I want to be in his mind. I want, the Bible, the Bible says, they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Our desire ought to be, God, whatever we do, our works in our everyday life, everything we do, God, we want it to be an example and a testimony to glorify you in our life. Glorify God. Be patient. Trust his way. And glorify God. That's what you got to do in the testing times of life. Unsaved person. Trusting Christ is the first step to bring the glory to God. You can't bring glory to God, die, and go to hell. Listen to me. I don't care if you grew up in church. You know, I bring glory to God by dying, going to hell one day. You bring glory to God by accepting his son that he gave for you. That, listen to me, that he gave for you. I explain this, listen to me. Salvation and religion are not the same. No, they're not the same. I knock on a lot of doors, and people come. We went to we went soul winning in, in Middleburg this last week, and they brought me to probably one of the fanciest apartment areas. They had elevators in the apartment areas, and they were, like, brand new. And I was like, man, what are we sewing in here for? No, they need Jesus to. And uh, so we're, we're knocking on doors, and, of course, you know, you're in a nicer neighborhood. You're knocking on doors, and, and they come to the door like, who are you? What do you want? What are you at my door for? You know, I drive the Tesla out there, don't you see? And why are you talking to me for, you know? And, uh, and so we're knocking on doors. Listen to me. They need Christ just as much as you do. And we can't allow, listen, we can't allow the things of life. There's a lot of people we met that night. Knocked on their door and you know for sure you're going, oh yeah, I go to church. I didn't doubt that. You're in the south, you're in a nice neighborhood, you probably go to church somewhere. 
But I didn't ask you if you go to church. I asked you if you're saved. Religion is living the life after salvation. Religion is the Christian life. Obeying God's word. Every day walking with God. Doing what God asked me to do. Trusting him. That is part of, if you will, our religion. That's part of our Christian life. But that does not save us. What saves us, listen to me, what saves us, what saves us is Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ. Listen to me, you've never at one time accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and trusted him, listen to me, alone. Not my prayer, not I'm a pretty good person, not my, my grand, grandparents are, are preachers and, and uh, they go, they're going, I grew up in church. I didn't ask anything about that. I asked if you personally trusted Christ as your Savior. And the best way you can bring glory to God. And the only way to have peace in your heart and help of God is when first you've trusted His Son. And God gives you a partner called the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And He helps you and grows you. And is there with you to strengthen you and give you peace and direct you and convict you. Then we have hope. Then we have joy. If you're here this morning, you have never asked Christ to save you. Listen to me. You walk out of these doors today and die on the streets this afternoon or die on the streets this week in whatever situation. Listen to me. You'll die and go to hell being a good person. And you'll die and go to hell being a church member. Because salvation is not that. Salvation is you putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. That's it. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell, and you deserve hell. Before salvation, you're on the Bible says you're condemned already. You're headed to hell. No questions asked. You're headed to hell. The only way to trust Christ, the only way for heaven, is by you trusting his Savior, the gift of God, the Bible says eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. The only way to heaven is you trusting in what he did on the cross to pay for your sins. I can't do anything good enough to get myself to heaven. I can't, I can't uh, do enough good to take away the bad. The good does not outweigh the bad in my life. Wrong is wrong. It, that's plain as day is what it is. One sin in my entire life would send me to hell. For most of us in there, it's been way past. That one sin happened when the day we were born with a sin nature. You can't take that away. And from that day, you're condemned for hell already. And your only chance is for you to admit, I can't get me to heaven. There's nothing I can do to get me to heaven. And I'm trusting Christ. That's the only way. There is another way. There is another way. Here's my head, whereby I must be saved. There's no other way. You have got the will and to trust Christ. If you're here this morning, you've never asked Christ to save you. Listen to me. Today's the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's not this next week. It's not, I'll figure it out one day. No, no, listen to me. Today is the day of salvation. You say, well, I, Brother Pledger, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, I, I think I'm saved. Don't think, no. Well, I'm about like, you know, 80%, 85, maybe 85. Let's say 90. I'm 90% sure. No, no, no. Be 100% sure you know. 85 don't cut it when it comes to eternity. Thinking I'm a pretty good person doesn't cut it in eternity. The only thing that helps is your trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, and what He did on the cross. October 17, 2011, in Bible college at a, at a revival, Brother Rob Hicks was preaching. And I was sitting about two rows, in the second row on the left hand side. God to preach, and during the, God had already been working my heart about my salvation in Bible cause God had been working my heart about salvation. I knew I was not saved, but I could not comprehend how. I mean, I led my first person to Christ, the Romans Road, when I was six years old. How? I know it front and back. How? That night during the preaching, when Brother, Brother Evangelist Rob Hicks was preaching, I realized that I was trusting in my works not Christ alone. And as, as a freshman in Bible college, a sophomore in Bible college, I went forward and I asked Jesus Christ to save me. I got it settled. I didn't, sorry, I didn't go forward. I went up to my, my uh, dorm room and knelt on my knees.
was there in my chair at my desk and asked Christ to save me. And the change, peace, peace passes all understanding. The joy, the I know I'm going to hell. I know I'm not trusting myself now. I know I've asked Christ to save me now. If you're here this morning, you've never done it. Listen to me. Don't walk out of this room today. Don't walk out of this church today and die and go to hell. Last Friday, a total of four people that I know, and some of you know, two or one of the other people in this group, but four people that I know passed away on Friday. Because you said, you said, did you expect that? Nope. Had no idea. No idea. No idea. One was 19 years old. No idea. But they died. They either went to heaven or went to hell. And I pray, and some of them I believe by their testimony, they're in heaven. But there's one or two of them that I, I really don't know. Would that be you next week? Would that be you next week? Get it settled this morning. Hey, Christian, the testing times of God, listen to me, be patient. Trust his way. Glorify God in everything. Just decide, I'm gonna, no matter what I'm going through, it's going to be tough for me, and I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to bring glory to God somehow. Just determine in yourself, I'm going to bring glory to God. I want to bring glory to God somehow. And allow God to help you. Head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around.